excited to be at church. Awesome. I showed that video to my kids and my son said, Dad, Jesus is a lot tanner than that. And so we, uh, we favored the beard and so we went with the beard, but I, uh, I'm excited about today's series and I am excited to jump into this message and have this conversation about bumping into Jesus. Now, no matter who you are, where you're from, what walk of life you've taken, uh, every single one of us can bump into the reality that God is for you, that he is with you, and he has already done the unthinkable on behalf of you. And my prayer as we gather, whether in this room or at one of our campuses, uh, that somebody uh, would bump into Jesus, amen? And, and maybe, just maybe, that somebody's you. And, and so on the front end of this, welcome to church, welcome to the party. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome to the party. And I wanna welcome our our 12 campuses, and those who are joining from the four prisons who are joining with us. Can we just give a special shout out to those watching? Outstanding. And I will say this, uh, throughout this series, be a bringer. Uh, be a bringer. Be somebody who just says, hey, I believe God has something in store for your life, and you might want to come to church with me. And I'd love for you to come and possibly bump into the Savior of the world who has changed my life. And and I find that when you step out in faith and share your faith, well, God does some pretty cool things in and through your life. In fact, I would say it this way, the more you witness, the more you witness. There's just something about putting yourself out there saying, hey, I'm just going to extend an invitation and I'm just going to invite people to join me. Well, then it gives you a front row seat to see what God does next in that person's life. I hate to admit it, but as a pastor, something I've noticed is at times people are frustrated with God. And their frustration is, is I don't see God doing much in my life. And, and what I've found as a pastor is those who are frustrated because they don't see God doing much in their life are those who aren't doing much for God with their life. I promise you, the more you witness the more you witness. And I don't know about you, but don't you wanna have a front row seat to see God's redemptive work in humanity? And don't you wanna have a front row seat to see God change your family member's life and God change your coworker's life and God change your sibling's life or maybe even your child's life? And so throughout this series, I'd encourage you, hey, invite somebody. Or at a minimum, those of you watching on YouTube and those of you watching on Facebook, hit the share button and let's just see how many people we can lead to Jesus during this season in our church, amen? Well, I am, I'm thrilled, and I know we are, we're still getting to know each other, right? If you're new to Northview, I'm the senior pastor elect. 97% of this group uh, said yes to me being that guy, and uh, we are having fun. I've been here for eight weeks, and I'm having an absolute blast. Uh, without a doubt, uh, my favorite week so far was last week. Uh, church, we baptized over 228 people. Is that not outstanding? <laughs> outstanding. I had one guy tell me, he said, man, listening to Pastor Steve, I think that's the best baptism sermon I've ever heard. And I don't know about you, but I think I can agree with that. That message was fantastic. In fact, it was so good uh, that we had people who were watching online, driving the church, running through the rain. 
In fact, we had one guy who was in South Bend, jump in the car and drive, get here, run in. And I was downstairs getting dressed, ready to jump in the tank. And and this guy comes running in. Hey, is it too late? I want to get baptized. We had a cameraman say, hey, I, I, I feel God calling me to get baptized. And he left his station. Someone jumped behind the camera and he ran up here and he was baptized. We had individuals who were in town visiting family and friends from Texas give their life to Christ and be baptized. We had one of our family members who is is deaf hearing the message through the interpreter, respond to the message, walk forward and be baptized with the interpreter. I mean, come on church, how awesome is the things God is doing? You hear a number like that and that sounds like a Bible story. Anyone just pinch yourself sometimes and think, I feel like we're living a modern day Bible story. And I don't know about you, but I, I love the Bible. That's something you should know about me. I am just, I'm obsessed with God's word. And my agenda, for those of you who are curious, is every single week to get somebody, if not all of you, to just fall in love with God's word. I think when we do away with divine revelation, all we end up with is human speculation. All we end up with is weighing each other's opinions. Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And it's so vital that we anchor our life and we take our cues from God's word. I pray you didn't show up to hear my opinion. I pray you show up every single week to lean into God's word and to get a revelation. And I recognize that as we gather, uh, well, we span the spectrum of spiritual maturity and, and spiritual journeys. Not every single one of us is in the same place. In fact, some of you, you might be really new uh, to the Christian faith. You may be very new to the Bible. And so to help you out, I've condensed the Bible into 50 words. You ready? Here's the Bible in 50 words. First off, God made Adam bit, Noah art, Abraham split, Joseph ruled, Jacob fooled, Bush talked, Moses balked, Pharaoh plagued, people walked. Sea divided, tablets guided, promise landed, Saul freaked, David peaked, He sure did. (laughs) Prophets warned, Jesus born, God walked, love talked, anger crucified, hope died, love rose, spirit flamed, word spread, God remained. That is the Bible in 50 words. This idea that when all is said and done, he is the constant. He is the one who remains faithful through all things. And no matter what you're going through, just know that he's, he's faithful. He's a good God. And he will see you through whatever you're going through. In today's message, I, I want to talk to this idea about being stuck in life. You ever felt stuck? You, you ever found that life came to a halt and for whatever reason you, you weren't making the progress? You weren't gaining the momentum? that you were hoping to in life. Maybe you, you feel stuck in a rut in your marriage. Or, or maybe you just feel stuck in your career. Or maybe stuck in some unhealthy habits. Or, or maybe stuck in some really unproductive thinking patterns. Maybe you just find yourself stuck in, in, in bizarre logic. And, and you can go on and on down the list. At times, we're stuck. And I don't know about you, but... That has been the case in my life. There have been times in my life where life came to a halt. 
There are times in my life where I wasn't progressing the way I wanted to. And the beauty is, is even in moments like that, you can bump into a savior who comes alongside you and gets you back on track. And that's my prayer for someone here today is, what would happen if you would get unstuck and you would continue moving in the direction God has for you? It makes me think of a passage in scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, actually, where it says the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord is with you. The Lord has gone before you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. This idea that God goes before us, and I am confident that God goes before every single one of us. I just wonder sometimes if, if we're willing to go after him. God has gone before us, but have we lost the willingness, the faith, maybe the obedience, the desire to go after him? And, and my prayer is, is you would find yourself with a zeal. You would find yourself with a passion. You would find yourself with a, a resolve that says, I know that I know that my God has gone before me. I'm going after him. Because you only live once, church. But if you live it right, once is enough. So let's go after the things of God. There's an individual in scripture who, he was stuck and he was, he was stuck for a long time. Maybe some of you can relate. Scripture tells us this about him. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I read scripture, Jesus stresses me out. Does he stress any of you out? Like his spontaneity stresses me out. And I'm a spontaneous person. Nonetheless, I don't wake up every single day with the weight of the world on my shoulders. But he did. And every single step he lived in life was moving towards this moment in Jerusalem. This moment where humanity's sin and God's love would collide. Which, when all came to pass... Humanity's sin was no match for God's love. I mean, Jesus had important things to do, right? Places to go, people to see, things to accomplish. Yet as you read through the gospels, you find, well, Jesus was always aware of those who were around him. He, he operated with remarkable margin and he recognized people, even the down and out, even the suffering. Even those who were stuck and even those who weren't even living according to his will. You want thankful for a God who just notices people? You should know that you do not go unnoticed. 
by our Heavenly Father. He notices you. And what's interesting about this is, is scholars have wondered, what in the world was Jesus doing out there? Why was Jesus out there by these five covered colonnades? So what you find is this was a, a gathering spot that was on the backside of the temple outside of the city a little bit. It's kind of a remote area that the sick and the ostracized, the lame and the paralyzed would gather. Not a lot of people went out there and only people in those rare conditions did. But in that remote area, there were a couple random houses. And most scholars believe, and you can even go there to this day and see that it has been excavated and all those things, you can find this, this one house near the pool of Bethesda. And what I love about it is the majority of commentators out there believe that that is where Jesus's grandmother lived. That's a strange thing to think about. Jesus had a grandma. That's weird to think about. I don't know if that's weird for you, but I'm like, is it true that Jesus had a grandma, right? That Mary's mother lived in that house. So the popular answer, the majority of scholars believe that the reason why Jesus was out there is because Jesus was heading to grandma's house. I mean, doesn't that just make him so human? I love this about Jesus. You see, his deity, in other words, him being God, his deity means he can save us. But his humanity means he understands us. We live in a world in desperate need of empathy because we all recognize the benefit of empathy and the joy and even the, well, I don't know, the appreciation we feel when someone empathizes with us. I love this idea that our God he empathizes with us. And Jesus would operate with margin that even on his way to grandma's house, he'd see people. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus didn't so much, I'll say it this way, didn't develop messages for people. If anything, Jesus derived messages from people. So he didn't walk around with a notepad in his back pocket being like, I've got a sermon to preach to somebody. No, what he would do is he'd walk through the region and he would bump into people and he'd be like, I can speak to that. I can speak to that. I, I just find it fascinating. As he would go, he would derive things from people. So he'd meet a Samaritan woman at the well and he'd think, I can speak to that. And he'd bump into 10 lepers and he'd say, I can speak to that. And he would meet some tax collectors at their booth and he'd say, I can speak to that. And he'd bump into some angry Pharisees and he had a lot to say about that. <laughs> he would derive messages from people and I think it's something that you and I can, well, we can start doing that in our own faith. Looking at the world around us and, and taking on the posture of Jesus that says, I'm going to recognize and I'm going to be aware of those around me and I'm going to be ready to share my faith as, as situations arise. And to not be intimidated, but to recognize that the good news is good news for everybody. And so no matter who comes into my path, I'm going to be ready to say, my God can work in your life. I had me thinking about a guy I recently was talking to. He said, hey, what do you do for work? I said, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh boy. Which, telling someone you're a pastor is like saying, hey, I'm a cannibal. Do you want to go to lunch? <laughs> it puts people on edge. 
And then he made this statement. He said, I just can't, I just can't get on board with all that Jesus garbage. I said, all right. Well, you should know my Jesus garbage has kept me from experiencing a lot of your garbage. My Jesus garbage has kept me from experiencing some of the garbage you have in your marriage. And my Jesus garbage has kept me from experiencing some of the identity garbage that you have. And my Jesus garbage has kept me from experiencing some of the emotional garbage that you're dealing with. I like my garbage. Before you know it, he was really curious about my garbage, wanted to go dumpster diving. But like I told him, hey, your opinion doesn't trump my experience. Whether you like it or not, the Savior who I follow is real and active, and he has altered my life. My God can speak to that. Jesus would derive messages from people. And, and at some point, Christians, come on, we got to stop being so sensitive, so intimidated that we miss out on the moment to engage in dialogue and be like, come on. My God can speak to that. My God is good and he is faithful. And the message that you pick up from Jesus all along the way, no matter who he encountered, is this reality and that's this. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to have struggles. It's okay to go through trials. It's okay to even drop the ball sometimes. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Another way of saying it is Jesus will meet you where you're at, but he won't leave you where you're at. Man, I love how much of a gentleman our God is. That he'll patiently come alongside you, grab you by the hand and say, come on, we're, we're gonna get through this. I won't leave you here. And I just wonder how many of you you need to take hold of that reality. That Jesus is willing to meet you where you're at, but he won't leave you where you are at. And if you feel stuck, maybe, just maybe, now is the time to move forward. In this scripture, John tells us that there were three categories of people. And those three categories of people are the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now, the blind represents a category of people who what? They lacked vision. And I get the feeling some of you, you're stuck in some area of your life because you lack a vision. You've lost a vision for your marriage. You've lost a vision for your purpose in life. You've lost a vision for, for really what your family could become and, and how you could raise those children. You've lost a vision for how you're gonna steward your finances and have a kingdom impact. You, you've, you've lost a vision. And my question for you is, what would happen if God would awaken your eyes to the possibilities in your life? That you have a life to live before you and it's gonna take you anchoring your heart and your mind to a vision. I've always loved reading the book of Acts because it tells us the origin story of the early church, how the church first began, and in Acts 2, how there was this, this movement of people that just took the world by storm. Starts out with 120 people in the upper room, and now we sit here today where the local church has touched down on every continent around the world. It's amazing what these individuals initiated in humanity. 
And early on, there's this prophecy about the local church, and it says this. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. That scripture wants us to know from day one, the church was multi-generational, yet it was filled with visionaries and dreamers. What are the chances you are stuck because you've lost a vision? The other category of people are the lame. Now the lame represents people who have gone through pain. And I can only imagine in a room this size with as many campuses as we have, the, the pain endured and the pain being faced by many within our church. We go through pain. And it's, it's trying to navigate our pain in light of God's plan. Okay, God, somehow I'm supposed to trust you with what I'm going through. And next week, if, if you have someone in your life who, who is really going through a season of pain, next week I'm talking about, you know, what do you do when you've been crushed in life? I've been crushed. And this guy, or in this situation, it represents people in pain. And, and how do you navigate through that in a way that continues to position you to experience all that God has for you. What's amazing to me about this passage is it says this man was there for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years, yet God still showed up and still carried him through. And if anything, what that tells me is our problems can't outlast God's promise. So no matter what you're going through, I mean, you anchor your hope, you anchor your heart, and you just continue place your faith that I know that I know that God's gonna carry me through this. And my heart goes out to many of you because I know that the pain is severe. It has me thinking, though, about growing up playing sports. If you ever got hurt in a game, say you're laid out on the court, they call a timeout, and the coach would come out and the coach would ask you a question. And they would ask you, are you injured or are you hurt? Are you injured or are you hurt? In other words, if you're injured, we have to take you out of the game. But if you're hurt, you can get up. You can shake that one off and you can keep playing. And this isn't to dismiss anyone's pain because some of you would fall into that category of injured. But what I do find is some people, well, they're hurt. And you can play hurt. You can, you can be grieving loss, yet still honoring God. You can be betrayed by friends, yet still loving your neighbor. You can be gossiped about, yet still yourself live for the truth. You can play hurt. The last category of people, are the paralyzed. Now the paralyzed, they represent those who, well, they would have been numb in their body because of their paralysis. And I was reading about it this last week and this idea of, of being numb to the senses really just struck a chord with me. Because I can 
recall moments in my journey with Christ where I was just numb to the things of God. Before you know it, you just start going through the motions. Before you know it, you just take on a jaded perspective of the church and you bar off your heart and your mind to any possibility for God to work in your life. And maybe some of you, you're stuck because you've just become numb to the things of God. And my prayer is what would happen if you allowed God to awaken your senses to his activity and his presence in your life. So then in this, it's the, there's the, the blind and the lame and there's the paralyzed. And then scripture zeroes in on this guy who's, who's been there for 38 years. And it says that Jesus approaches this man and Jesus says this question, do you want to get well? And, and there's this engagement. And Jesus basically gives him some handles as to, hey, this is how you can get out of the situation that you're in. And the first thing that he tells the man is get up. Would you get up? Which, what was this man doing? Lying down. I mean, I'm a pretty simple-minded person if you haven't picked up on that yet. And basically what Jesus is saying is Jesus comes to a man laying down and he says, get up. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, it's time to do something different. It's time to change your approach and it is time to do something different. And maybe you're stuck and Jesus would say to you, okay, it's time to do something different. It's time to take a different approach it's time to take on a different attitude. It's time to change the way you're talking. It's time to, time to fix your perspective. It's time to ask for help. It's time to change and do something different. And then he says, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat, which when I read that, I think of one of those cute little yoga mats. <laughs> Anyone else? That, I mean, they're comfortable for a minute. But before you know it, it feels like you're back to sitting on the ground again. But really, what was the purpose of the mat? The whole purpose of the mat was here this man has been there for 38 years. And the goal of the mat was to somehow, in some way, make his stay there just a little more comfortable. In many ways, well, the mat was enabling him. And it's in this context that Jesus asks him the question, do you want to get well? You ever come through scripture and thought to yourself, man, Jesus asked some really interesting questions. Like this feels like a rhetorical question. Like one of those nights that you're, you're working late and one of your coworkers pops their head into your office and they're like, you still here? You're like, no, this is just a figment of your imagination. Yes, I'm still here. But this actually isn't a rhetorical question. Jesus was notorious for asking interesting questions. I get the feeling he used to mess with his disciples all the time. I think he'd be like, hey, Peter, do you think you can cry underwater? Matthew, do you think if you pamper a cow, do you get spoiled milk? John, why give your two cents when it's only a penny for your thoughts? And I think they could be like, I, what? <laughs> like, he asked some really interesting questions. And Jesus, being so thoughtful, comes to this man who's been in this situation for almost four decades. 
And really in an endearing way, he just says, hey, do you really want to get well? See, what Jesus is acknowledging in this moment is there was a social construct that was supporting this man. I mean, he doesn't survive for 38 years in this position by himself in his condition. It was the, the situation and the social contact, uh, con, uh, construct that was supporting him. Are you tracking with me? So what Jesus is saying, he's like, look, think about it. I mean, I, can, I know how to help you. But the moment you get up and you pick up this mat and you walk, well, all this, well, it goes away. And are you ready for this social construct that you've developed over the years and the, the things and the people and the behaviors and all that's been enabling you to be stuck in this position? Just know that once you're liberated from it, you're no longer supported by it. This is what keeps a lot of people in their bondage because they're not willing to give up what's enabling them so they stay stuck in the position that they're in. And Jesus just says, hey, like, do you want to get well? I mean, do you really want me to do something so profound in your life that it would free you from the things that are enabling you? Because once I do that, you lose this. But it's, it's leaning in and saying, you know what, I wanna live the life Jesus died to give me. And so if there are things that are robbing me of my potential, robbing me of my peace, robbing me of my joy, keeping me from my purpose, well, Lord, I'm laying those things down also I can follow you. Would you pick up your mat and follow? Do you want to get well? To which this guy responds, well, no one's here to help me into the water. And if you're a Bible nerd, here's a fun fact for you. If you notice, when we were reading through the passage, we went from verse 3 to verse 5. This is one of the rare situ uh, cases of this in the Bible. Most of your Bibles, if you pay attention, in this passage, there's no verse 4. What you'll find is Bible translators over the years have looked at this passage and they thought, wait a second, verse 4 actually wasn't in the original transcript. Verse four was added later for context. And so what they've done is they've pulled verse four out of the passage. And for most of you, verse four is somewhere in the margins, probably in a footnote on the bottom of your Bible. And verse four reads like this. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. And the first one into the pool after each disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. So that was basically this man's understanding. There was this cultural belief of the day that something would stir in the water and the first one into the water would be healed. And what I love about this is this man turns to Jesus and offers Jesus an excuse. I'm stuck because no one is here to help me into the living water. And he fails to recognize that the living water, Jesus himself is standing right next to him. Oh, come on, that's so awesome. This is what our God does. I mean, he comes so close to you and I. 
that he doesn't make you and I subscribe to some wonky form of superstition and religion. He says, no, I want a relationship with you and I'm willing to engage with you right where you're at and you don't have to jump through hoops and go through all this weird machinery within your faith. Would you just lean into me? And would you get to know me? That you don't need to dive into a pool of living water. I am the living water. You don't need to go prop up your life with a bunch of religion, just take on this relationship. That's amazing. And so he says, get up, pick up your mat. And what's the last thing he says? Walk. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. For 38 years, what do you think this guy thought of Every single day, walking. For 38 years, this man dreamt of walking. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, just go and do what you've always dreamt of doing. And I find that in my interactions and in my conversations, people are a lot closer to their dreams than they realize. They're one decision away from getting on track with their dreams. They're one decision away from taking a step in the purpose that God orchestrated for their life. Go and do what you've always dreamt of doing. Because many of you, you're living the best days of your life and you don't even realize it. And tonight or today, whenever you're watching this or listening to it while you're on the treadmill, whenever you are coming across this content, maybe it's time for you to say, all right, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna remove what's enabling me and I'm going to go and do what I've always dreamt of doing. I'm not gonna be stuck anymore. So I know we meet in groups all throughout the week. Here's three questions as you meet in your group. One, what can you do differently? Two, what is enabling you? And three, what have you always dreamt of doing? What's the vision for your life? And I'd throw it out there. Don't let blind people proofread your vision. Don't let blind people who don't live with faith and live with hope and live with an understanding of who your God is, don't run your vision and your dream and what you feel God is calling you to do through the filter of people of, who are pessimistic, who don't believe that God has greater things for you. Don't, do not allow blind people to proofread your vision. But what have you always dreamt of doing? Because here's what I know. Change, well, you won't see it and you won't see change if you won't seize change. You won't see change. You won't move forward if you won't seize it. And I think the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And so my prayer 
as you'd get up, you'd pick up your mat, you'd walk, and you'd allow God to break you free from whatever has you stuck. Amen? Well, tonight and today at all of our services, campuses, you're going to have to give me grace. I keep saying tonight, I know it's Saturday, but listen, give me some grace. I'm learning. It's miracle prayer. And my God does miracles. He still does miracles. In fact, last time we had miracle prayer, I got to pray with a family whose child uh, was unable to have children. So the parents came forward, our daughter's unable to have children, and it's been a real damper on our, uh, on our family, and it's just been a struggle, and we've been in this process for years. That's a heartbreaking thing for any family who's had to go through that. And just last week, I seen them in the lobby. They came up, they're saying, Pastor CJ, she's pregnant, because that's what God does. So if you need God to lean in and work on behalf of you in any situation, we would love to pray with you. And those who are going to be participating uh, in today's miracle prayer, uh, we go ahead and invite you forward. You can make your way to the front. I'm going to pray together, and then we are going to uh, dismiss. Dearly Father, God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your willingness to meet us right where we're at. And so we ask, right now, God, you do what only you can do. And God, would you just begin to pinpoint the areas of our life that are holding us back? God, would you come alongside those of us who are lacking vision? Would you come alongside those of us who are bound in pain? And God, would you come alongside those of us who have simply become numb to who you are and the things you're trying to accomplish? And God, would you break us free also that we can live the life you died to give us? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, church, you can stand to your feet. And as we dismiss, we're going to go out with a shout of amen on the count of three. And if you need prayer for anything, please make your way forward. On the count of three, amen. One, two, three, amen. amen. See you next week.